Watch this. Hello and welcome back to the Cookie Jar Gold Podcast. I am Tom Mills and today I'm joined by young Bruce Fitzpatrick. Wow, I'm not normally introduced yeah. first, but uh, yeah, hello. The boy was texting, so I thought I'd catch him off guard. And Change of pace. Sam Williams. Hello, how are we doing boys? Very well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, kind of looking forward to the PGA this week. A little bit of excitement on uh, on the British Isles as well with golf to talk about. Um mm. But yeah, and obviously we dropped our iron fitting film yesterday, didn't we? So that's uh, gone down well, it seems. Yeah, it seems to have gone down well. Again, we've had the text, where's Tom? But I said, just referred him back to last week's pod and said, just listen to it. <laughs> but I think we'll talk about our irons a little bit later in the show and we'll talk about, you know, what, what they did. There were some significant things they did with mine that I'd like to talk about that I mm. think is going to improve my game, but. Uh, let's dive into that in a bit. First of all, I think it would be remiss not to. Um, in fact, Sam, you haven't dived in yet. We've we not got any sponsors this week. Yeah, I'm wrestling with this one in my head. Oh, okay. The unofficial, well, official, unofficial, I should say. I'm going to put it out there and say that the halfway house at Belpoo is probably the, the, the unofficial sponsor of, of the pod. <laughs> I was particularly hungry at the turn on Sunday and when the offer came up to buy a black coffee at £4.50, I just went straight in there, both barrels. Mm. Solid price yeah. for some beans, some d- yeah. some dissolvable yeah. beans. I asked the in- guy if there was margin baked into that price. I'm He wasn't 100% certain, but I was fairly confident there's margin mm. on that. Mm. It's amazing how, how much more expensive instant coffee is. It's just a couple of couple of sort of stirs in the, in the cup. Um, it's far more expensive than than the kind of usual ground stuff, or even dare I say it, the stuff you get out of the Virtuo. It's it's nuts, really, isn't it? But well, we, obviously we've we've covered Virtuo, who are really, I mean, they're bordering on an official partnership with the pod, really, with the amount we're getting through. Um, but yeah, it was remarkable. The halfway house at, at the Belfry, to be fair, served up a, also served me a sausage roll that was, I mean, if you threw it at someone, you'd have knocked them out. It was ludicrous. <laughs> It really sat heavy. It was a it was a big old beast. Um, but yeah, so you um, so you weren't taken you weren't taken with a halfway house of the Brabazon. No, it was good. It was solid. I mean, prices a little bit high. Hang on. So far, they've got prices that they could bankrupt you and items that could kill you. Yeah, but the sausage roll was good. Be under no illusions. Okay. It was just a little. Okay. It was just a little bit cumbersome for my liking. And I was yeah, kind I mean, of a bit I mean, mindful we were going to go go live on Instagram straight after. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's interesting because most people, when they get a bit nervous, a bit under under pressure there, when they're faced with a treacherous risk and reward, uh, short par four over water and the prospect of a few hundred people watching on Instagram live. I mean, a lot of people, I'm just thinking of Steve Elkington in particular here, would say, you know, they don't, they don't really have much of an appetite, but Sam is there just loading in on a one and a half kilo sausage roll, just trying to, uh, trying to, trying to just put as much behind his drive on 10 as he possibly could. <laughs> Well, um, I want to talk about this because I wasn't there. Uh, I had a prior engagement, so I wasn't able to attend. And we'll talk about the Belfry uh, and you guys playing it on the Sunday, which is the day after the final day. For some reason, they finished on a Saturday. Uh, we'll talk about that shortly. But I tuned into the Instagram live. You know, I saw four dudes taking on the 10th. I saw four dudes trying to take on the 10th, but there was an alarming lack of clarity about who hit the green, who didn't and mm. um, who made eagle slash birdie and okay. who didn't? Well, yeah, let's just clear that. that's take it up with the head of social that's, media. That's, that's, yeah. that's easily explained. That I means Sam Sam just found the water and as a result didn't see any value in going any further with with covering the rest of the hole. <laughs> <laughs> I think would be the the simplest explanation there. Um, but no, we can definitely dive into that. And I guess yeah, while we're while we're on the topic, um, shout out to to Chase two MCs on Instagram and, uh, and Ben, our partners on the day for, uh, yeah, just a very, very enjoyable round. And, um, yeah, it's good fun. We had a good close match, didn't we? It was awesome to, I mean, that's the first time I've played a course the day after it's had a tour event. Um, and needless to say, it was in great condition and yeah, good, a good time was had by all, wasn't it, Sam? Yeah, definitely. I mean, what should we talk about? Should we talk maybe chronologically and cover off yeah. the, the Richard Bland win? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, what was the take on on the event? I mean, you know, Richard Bland winning at that age. 
in the playoff, the condition, it was, I thought it was a pr- pretty remarkable performance to be fair on that final day. Yeah. I think, I think drama wise, it was, it was absolutely what it, what it was required. I was down in, in, in Devon with some family and uh, I was watching on my phone on the Sky Go app, shout out to Sky Go, official unofficial. And I was watching, um, you know, Bland with that, what could only be 30 odd footer across the green for birdie on the 72nd hole. And what a putt. I mean, the, the emotion between him and Tim Barter, which um, I wasn't aware, but I wasn't aware a huge amount about Richard yeah, Bland I didn't know that. but Tim it's Barter coach. does coaching. I didn't know that. Uh, he's, of all the, the, of the flack that we give Sky Golf and the commentary, I think Richard Bland, I'm uh, sorry, I think Tim Barter is incredibly well-informed. I do think he's knowledgeable. He hits the point pretty, pretty well. But the, the emotion between those two when he, you know, when he, he was doing his interview afterwards and at that, that point, you know, Miliotzi still looked like, I mean, he had it in his hands. Like he threw that away categorically. Yeah, he choked on birdie, didn't he? Down 17, 17. from memory. I but think he did make a, a bit good much. Okay, well, I think three, that's he, a bit of hyperbole. On in, was a on three jab, two, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, on in two for the part five and then three jabbed it. Yeah, it was like 50 feet away though. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay, it's in, but it's in his hands, isn't it? You'd expect you'd expect a, a pro, you know, especially you know when in the business end of a tournament, to take that sort of chance. And he he, he did miss what an eight footer for birdie. So yeah, mm. first what's the average make though from there? It's 50%. Eight, eighty. Yeah, well, it's 50%. Let, well, let's not go down some Mark some bloody Mark Brody vortex. He's fifty feet away. He's on the green in two. No one likes making three putt pars on the seventy first hole of a tournament when you're in contention, do they? When you're joint lead at the time. Yeah, but but then equally, like he's made an unbelievable par up up eighteen. So I think look, I mean, just looking at the at the event kind of in overview, I thought it was going in. I maybe wasn't quite sure as to how successful it was going to be. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about how you know Bob Mack. I think. At, you're going to probably pull me up on this here, Tom, but I think is he 45th in the world? He was the highest ranked player there and a, a few people choosing not to come back over um, to play in it because of of um, the PGA this this coming week. Matt Wallace being an interesting one there. I don't know if anyone's got the inside scoop on on him, but he's literally sponsored by the Belfry and he even he didn't come back over to play yeah. in it. So I think going in, it was like, oh, how's this event going to fare? But I mean, Saturday and Sunday in particular, like absolutely stacked leaderboards, some brilliant storylines. Bob Mack was playing well, obviously, you know, looked like he could have maybe got into the final final group. Um, but the way it panned out on Saturday, it was such a stacked leaderboard. You had um, Eduardo Molinari making a bit of a comeback as well with a really, really low round and also probably one of the best lines in professional golf as of late when he said, yeah, if it's, if, if I'd have had a 10 handicap as putting, I'd be leading this tournament comfortably <laughs> um, or something or work, work, work that effect. Um, of course. Yeah. Then you got like Dean Burmester. He's been playing really well recently and is playing at Kiowa this week. So, you know, he, he decided to, to, to play in that, which I thought was great. And he was in the mix um, heading into the back nine on Sunday. And then Eddie Pepperell as well. Mm. We, you know, he's a kind of a favorite of the pod, isn't he? Really? We do like Eddie's, um, character and and um, the stuff he he the stuff he says on Twitter uh, and he looked like he was in a really strong position but threw it away and then to have yeah Richard Bland as the kind of ultimate um, ultimate story out of all of those coming and winning it in his 478th start I thought yeah hats off to the Belfry because it was and the European Tour because it, it it was a cracking event hmm. it's strange isn't it how some tournaments and it doesn't it doesn't really relate to who's in it but some tournaments just resonate with entertainment and mm. i can't you can't really put your finger on it like the at&t i just could not get on board with it i just tried to watch it the bar Nelson, and i was just just wasn't gripping me you know when they're 20 under par after two rounds it's like yeah no i'm not really i'm not really into this even mm. though the score shouldn't matter but just not interested and the belfry this week at the the betfred <laughs> british masters was was one of those that really did i was glued to the phone. Well, it's probably great company for the family, to be fair. But <laughs> glued to the phone, watching uh, watching that coverage is very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just that final round, Blando. When you think, what? So what? Just recap this. I think he's forty-eight. He's never won a full European Tour event, has he? I think his no. best was winning the was it the Challenge Tour Finals or something. You're going back like he's had a couple of times. Um. And you just got to think like where he's at in his career. You got to think what that means. Like that's a hell of an accomplishment. He must be. 
he must be like taking on water when it comes to distance against the field. He must be he must be yeah. losing, I'm guessing, something Maybe like 30, hitter, yeah. 30, 40 yards off the tee. Now, obviously, a bit of a segue into the fact we played it the next day. You've do got you to have some long game for that. Do you want to, do you want to be corrected? Try and listen to 286 average, which is a 298 is tour average, so 12 yards, but still below the tour average. He's 150. Yeah. That's yeah, not as much know. as maybe, uh, maybe I'm being again, a bit harsh there. But again, it's not entirely clear because, you know, where they measure driving distance is uh, kind of affects that stat fairly heavily. And obviously, there are a lot of guys who can hit three wood and, um, I mean, the fact he didn't hit his best drive and was still short of that bunker on 18, whereas someone like, you know, Migliotze, who's a, who's a bigger hitter, was kind of flirting with the bush over the bunker, um, mm. probably gives you an insight into, yeah, the distance he's sacrificing. But to to play such a precise round of golf, shoot 66, mm. I've got to be honest, like when he's can that putt um, on the 72nd hole in regulation effectively, I thought, wow, like that's incredible. I don't know if it's going to be enough to get it done, but he just seems so emotional mm. for for putting himself in the best position possible. I thought going into the playoff, he was going to struggle to close it out, particularly when he's found that horrendous lie through the yeah. fairway, just short of the bunker. And he's like taking the hat off the head sort of in the hands. You're like, yeah, this guy has to be cooked. Surely. Um, has to be, but, but then goes on and wins it. And you're just like one. And I mean, that is an unbelievable tactical bottom groove five would like deliberately to, to, to get it over the water there and just playing for, for that sort of ball flight was, uh, was pretty cool to watch. So yeah, I mean, what a, what an awesome story. I could have done that. The only, the only shot I've got is a bottom groove five wood. I can't find <laughs> the part of the face. Um, do you think an interesting point that we could discuss is like you said, I, I was watching Miliozzi on the charge and I think I, I, I could be corrected. He birdied 15 and 16 on the bands. So yeah, he he's got this par five 17th coming up and I'm watching him charge He's 13 under still on the 17th tee. And Bland has got this, you know, monster across the green um, for Birdie. If I was like you, and I'm sure perhaps, you know, Bland was, and he thought, well, this probably isn't going to be enough, but let's get it to the hole. You know, mm. if, if he was in a position where that, that putt is, you know, categorically going to win you it, does it go in? Crystal ball stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And... <sighs> You never know, do you? Um, he certainly didn't look like he was going to charge his putt on the first playoff hole. Mm. And actually, I think, you know, you talk about Migliotti choking, which I don't think is a fair assessment. I don't think he choked, but, his, but he, it was in his, his hand. Putt, yeah, I mean, his first putt in regulation was pretty nuts, I thought. Um, sorry, in the, on the first playoff hole, that, that first putt charging that like six or eight feet by, I was like, that's, you know, that's pretty pretty strange. But then again, I mean, maybe he was just going for it. Like he's charged the putt on 17, he's charged the putt there it's probably just that's part of his his character yeah. that's how he plays golf so um well, it's like it's like um i always get these places at chambers bay where dj yeah um, yeah you know and he's like, from not 12 gonna, feet yeah and he said i'm not going to leave it short because it's, it's to win the open i'm not going to leave it short you know and it's probably the same thing you know if you've got a putt to win i think you you've got to think about how in you you know and if mm. it's if it's eight feet past you've got to back yourself to put it in you're a pro golfer Perhaps that's what he was thinking. Yeah. So we, um, yeah. So we then kind of go out and tear it up the next morning and watching that, watching the coverage on Saturday, I thought this place look, I like, I was toying with the golf shoes, but went with the waders in the end. I was expecting it to be absolutely sodden. I thought mm. we were going to be like playing out the Somme. Um, and it was actually in really good condition, wasn't it? Like I was yeah. genuinely really impressed considering the water they'd had. You know, we live, you know what, like 20, 30 minutes away from the Belfry. So, you know, the the amount of rainfall we'd had over the last few days, I was expecting the place to be absolutely sodden. And granted, there's absolutely no run on the ball there whatsoever. It's all carries um, now. Yeah. But it was lush. And and that was I thought it was a really cool insight, like you said, Bruce, into what it's like, how they set it up for the professionals. I've never experienced that before and, and thought right, this is what they deal with now, day in, day out, and playing right off the back tees at, what is it, 7,300 or something like that. Mm. Um, You've played it that before. Was quite a cool so what, yeah, what was your kind of comparison there? Because I'd, I'd not played it before. That was my first time seeing the Belfry. But from your perspective, Sam, how did that, you know, because you'd um, probably prepped me for it slightly going in, just being like, oh, yeah, you know, it's it's got a few good holes. But 
yeah, yeah I remember it being fairly it? benign like the rough was nowhere near as penal um, the greens were brilliant when I played it last time to be fair it's known for having for being in very yeah. good condition which I suppose having 50 green keepers whatever you know that'll get it done <laughs> won't it um, the it was the surrounds of the green. So I don't remember being anywhere near as, as penal around the greens. Obviously there's still a lot of water in play, but when you, when we played it on Sunday, if you took on a pin and you missed it three yards on the wrong side, you were, you had absolutely no hope. You were looking for a ball for a minute or two. Yeah. yeah that was you're, remarkable. You're chopping it? Out. Oh, it was so mm. hard. And I don't think you get a, you just don't get a fair take on how tough it mm. is from those kind of lies around the green when there's no spin and the greens are, hard and they're really fast you can only then start to imagine what it's like when you go to wing foot and you turn all of those kind of different dynamics up by another 10 you know probably 20 30 percent again um yeah because you couldn't really run a ball through the fairway at the belfry on sunday could you it's kind of like no you're backspinning drivers i think on occasion which is which but and that was interesting because at 7300 yards i thought going in it's going to be a wet course there's not going to be any run on the ball it's going to feel really long but it actually didn't i think the the par 5s felt like they're on the long side particularly with how narrow the fairways were you couldn't really get a wood on it if you're out the rough on the par 5s um but uh, some of the par 4s it was interesting because i think is it the is it the sixth hole with water both sides there mm. Yeah. yeah, that's like a 440 yard par four. And we stood on the tee and I was like, wow, there's a load of divots here. Like there's a lot of people hitting iron. This is a 440 yard hole. How does that really work? And when you get down there, you see why, because there's just not really anywhere to, to miss driver. I mean, you absolutely threaded the needle with a the driver there um, and then hit a great iron in, but I can see why a lot of probably probably hitting like a, a two or a three iron and then hitting a four mm. iron in just because it's much, much wider landing spot you've got for your tee shot so there's definitely like there's a I, I didn't hit as many drivers as i thought i was going to you know i thought going to the belfry for all the stick that i've heard people give it i'm literally just going to pull the head cover off driver i'm just going to leave it there for the rest of the round and that wasn't really the case <laughs> like what was your it, take on it first time going in like i mean let's let's preface yeah. this with we've given the belfry quote unquote and by that by extension that i think a lot of Ryder cup venues a really bad rap on this part for pretty much since its inception. I think it's mm. fair to say it's not a brand of golf that we play a lot of. Um, what's your honest take coming away from that from your first experience? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'd hold my hand up and say I've, I've been someone who's bagged it in the past having not played it, which is a terrible, um, <laughs> terrible way to be really it's just not Huge a good character trait, is it no i've been there for like you know the odd custom fit and you know been on on the range with the sort of threadbare range mats and the balls that are massively overpriced and you know rock hard um, and as a result i just kind of extrapolated that view onto the golf course but yeah as you say like the course was in great nick like there was actually a fair amount of strategy in there i think there's plenty of really really good fun holes to play like 10 18 is just a really demanding tee shot um, and, a, and, a, and a brutal closing hole, but I don't think that's a bad, like, I don't mind playing really hard golf courses. Like I, yeah, call me statistic, call me a bit of a sicko. I just quite enjoy it. Cause I'm like, I wonder how, you know, my game's going to stack up around a place like this. And I, I enjoy going and, and, and looking at courses like that. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of water. The rough was really thick around the greens. The greens were, were pretty quick, but you know, we had a really enjoyable match, didn't we? With, with Chase and Ben and, um, Oh, it was great yeah. fun. Great fun. Uh, what, what's your take on it, Bills? <clears throat> yeah, I've played it. I've played it a couple of times. Um, I'm just not good enough. So it, the short and long of it is, if I'm going to play there, it's not going to be in a stroke of play event or in a stroke play format. And we've talked about this on this pod before. Penal golf, you can be sadistic like Bruce and think, okay, let's put my, put my skills to the test and see where I walk away with. But reality, reality is that not everyone is a scratch golfer. And I think even if you're anything other mm. than a four or five handicap or above, I think you need to be going to somewhere like the Belfry or Paris National or Glen Eagles, whatever. These courses aren't designed to go around and, and plot a score together for four days. That's what they, they put, you know, they put the European, they put the guys on to do this week, but that's not what they're designed for. They're designed for match play. And in that case, it's a really enjoyable course because it does give you the opportunity to tank one down there on six. Cause that's a silly shot really, because it, the, the, the fairway becomes uber tight when you get down there to 80, 290. Um, it gives you a much more rewarding approach in, 
but the prudent play would be lay back. It's a proper match play decision. Do I iron off the tee and take a four iron in and you know guarantee my par? And again, 10, you can take it on. And for that reason, you know, it's a good golf course. It's a good golf course in terms of if you are going there with the aim of playing match play. I wouldn't enjoy a stroke play around there. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. But for my my two pennies on it, yeah. I wouldn't want to play it every day. That's obvious. Mm. And there, agree. Are, agree there are some fairly forgettable golf holes. Mm. But there are some really good ones. And for what it is, which is a tournament course designed for match play, you know, lends itself to things like the Ryder Cup really well. Um, in that sense, there are a lot of things going for it. I think where, where the Belfry has almost become the sort of totemic course that you know, people who enjoy golden age architecture and widths and angles, and we can all take aim at. But actually, I think that the reason for that is probably not the course. If I'm being frank, I think the issue is it's enormous, you know, kind of money machine sponsoring Matt Wallace. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt Wallace can't get over for the event, you know, whatever. You know, the, it's, it's an enormous money machine that takes a lot of cash out of the traveling golfer. And I think there's probably more of a frustration on the part of the people who hate it because they want to see those people go and indulge mm-hmm. themselves with golf that we would think is more enjoyable because it's kind of the history and there's all the, it's more playable and strategic in, in, in its nature. And I think that's why the Belfry kind of gets a bad rap. In isolation, it is not a dreadful parkland course. You can't say it's a really bad place. It is in fantastic condition. Mm. And to be fair, there are some great holes that I thought were well thought through. Holes like 16. Um, the, the really odd thing when you go there, it's just it's such a random place with such an odd assortment of people. Even the next I mean, day, yeah, it yeah. is just nuts, like... wasn't it? It, it was it's not like It's not like it's one demographic of really bizarre people. It's like... The, it's like you've, you've melting pot, up. isn't it? Yeah, It's like a melting pot of the bewildered and golf aficionados side by side, all, all looking very confused by the whole thing. Um, and non-golfers as well. I, I yeah, think it's the most we had a quick bite to place. eat. Yeah, yeah, we had a quick bite to eat after in that kind of outdoor tent area, which was done pretty well. And there's people there. You just like you literally have never played golf. Like you can kind of tell they're they're not they're not golfers, but they're attracted to the the Belfry because of. I guess it, yeah, it's it's got a wider reputation of just being a big sort of corporate hospitality experience. Um, I mean, yeah, but, some of the some of the sites out there, like I've not seen such a yeah high number of mid-teen handicapped golfers pushing um tour bags around on 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 electric trolleys before Ooh, on, on on the brabazon <laughs> i mean tom you're honestly if you'd come and joined us you would have had to get the trilby trilby tour bag out just to blend in i think with Nothing what we were seeing out on the bag. court but for those of you who have not visited the belfry like an idea of as you drive through you've got like a 2000 bay driving range to your right like the largest driving <laughs> range you have ever seen there are two courses there which are fantastically forgettable the derby and the pga which are they kind PGA's of is okay off. in fairness mm-hmm. i wouldn't walk my dog around the but around mm. the derby but the yeah. pga is okay <laughs> And then you've got loads of corporate spacing that you can hire for events. You can do weddings there. Um, and it's just all, and, and then, you know, if you, if you're in the market, it's Cougar city, the nightclub, which is the Bel Air, you know, it's got a nightclub on site. It's, it's the complete antithesis of, of say, you know, uh, uh, Royal Dornick or, or a rye or, you know, yeah. it's just, it's just another world, but it's an enormous, market in the golfing industry like there are so many golfers that don't dig door knock or rye door knock or rye or nan or the or some of these places and they'd much prefer to go to the celtic manor and spend a week the weekend there get pissed it's like that's a huge i think that's a bit harsh i think it's a bit harsh there is a, there's a bit to be said for, for there's a lot to be said for being able to stay on site have a good time and to be fair like you know I, I, i'll say it again Barbizon's a good golf course. It's good fun. Yeah. Just go into it with your eyes open. Like I'm, I, I wouldn't want to say like, you know, kind of be too dismissive of people that go, go and enjoy it because I actually think, you know, a lot of people would really enjoy playing it and, and it's mm. hard not to. It's a lot of history there. There is some really good golf holes and there is a lot to be said for being on site and, and having those things. It just makes things a little bit easier and it's a good place to, it's an easy place to get to. Um, 
It's just go into it with your eyes open. It is a blisteringly yeah. difficult golf course for a long <laughs> game. So if if you're you know if you're slotting drive two eighty on repeat up the gut, you're going to probably put yourself in a good position. You've then got to hit the greens. If you can do all that, and you know you're not someone, and who's you're gonna, not on tour, and you and if for some random reason you're not yeah. already on tour, you maybe if really you've got Eduardo Molinari's putting game, then you're probably yeah. going to have a great time there, which is probably why he enjoyed it this week. Um, but yeah, like high handicappers, you're just going to lose a shitload of golf balls, and it's just not going to be that enjoyable. I, and I think that's the, the fairest assessment. I I definitely wouldn't take complete dead aim at the Belfry or anyone who goes and spends money there because there's a place for it and it's good fun and, it, and it's an enjoyable place to go. And, and they're clearly a successful business. Um, but the outpouring of resentment you see, I think is more an indication of the fact that people just want to see people go and golf to the, golf to the shores, go and play the rise and the, the deals and the door and the, and the, and, and, and the form. Pure, of the world. Yeah. Just yeah. pure form of the game, which look, I mean the great, we've said it many times, haven't we? And I sound like a broken record, but the great thing about, golf is that it's a sport that really caters to so many different viewpoints abilities um yeah there's so many different experiences out there and and yeah belfry somewhere i'd love i'd definitely love to play play there again but it's not yeah as you say it's not somewhere you'd want to play every day and it's it's a big tournament venue and as you say going with your eyes open couldn't couldn't have put it better that's going looking forward penal golf course to another penal golf course we've got the PGA coming up at Kiowa. Kiowa, um, just for those of you that, that are interested in this sort of thing, uh, when you look at slope and course rating, which are essentially the two indicators of how hard the course is, the course rating, how hard it is for the scratch player, the slope is a differential between the scratch player and the bogey player. Kiowa has the highest course rating in the United States, at 79.1 off the championship tees. It is the hardest player for the scratch or no way scratch player really really yeah beth page has got like something like the highest slope hasn't it but but that's interesting in terms of how the two things work the slope is one five five so it's tough for a bogey golfer as well yeah so the slope is one five five this is just out and out hard yeah it's see i remember i seem to remember it being generous like re- fairly generous in places off the tee because <laughs> it's got the links like the wind has played yeah pl- and this is going to sound shocking i played it five years ago and i don't know whether there's obviously there's there is obviously jet lag thrown in there and if you're playing it really early and you're jet lagged and uh, days just kind of blend together and i don't think your memory's too hot in those kind of circumstances so i can't actually remember loads of the course um but I, I, yeah, I seem to remember it was fairly generous off some of the tees, but there is a lot of wind. Like, you know, the wind is, mm. a, is a huge factor there. It's, a, it's essentially a Lynx course, I guess, to, you know, borrow some of the UK probably terminology. Um, but yeah, I'm there surprised also, it's that highly rated there, there in terms is also of difficulty. Seven sets of tees. So mm. there's Championship Tournament, Ocean Die, Kiowa, Governors, and California. So you can play it from 5,003 up to 7,000. Nine essentially. I like the sound of the governors. I quite like the sound of the governors to me. The governors is my wheelhouse. Do that. Yeah. Played it sort of Cullen length. That would be yeah. That would be a treat, wouldn't it? Um, Yes. But I mean, let's let's get in with the headline. What are we at? Longest, longest tournament course ever. Longest major course ever ever put into championship. Where it can go back to seven thousand eight hundred, kind of. But they seven thousand eight hundred and seventy six. It's it's a brute. Yeah, that's long. I mean, at that point, surely you're just getting into 250 yard par threes to start make up some of the distance. I imagine. I mean, Mills, you're the stato here, but if you're if you're looking at that scorecard there to stretch it out to seven eight, you surely must be getting par threes that are the longest par three is one nine seven. Really? What? Even off wow. the back back tees? No, no, I've just looked at it off the off the governors. Sorry, <laughs> I was still working governors uh, off the back tees. <laughs> oh two two three. Two three eight one nine eight and two oh seven. So yeah, they're all two three eight is the longest. They're all over. That's a joke, yeah. isn't it? Ninety percent of golfers are hitting wood on every single one of those. Oh, These boys are yeah. probably not going to take a head cover off on them. Um, mm. So it's a long course. It's well, a big course, it, it, but it does, and that reflects yeah. in the favourite. Who do you think the favourite is this week? I mean, Rory, isn't it? Yeah, it is Rory. Eleven to one. <sighs> 
I mean, I think I, that's punchy. I think that's yeah, pretty I think, punchy. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't put money on Rory. 11 I think it's one. back to the Michael Verity thing, though, isn't it? You know, does does gambling odds represent the person who's most likely to win, or does it rep- represent the person who's most likely to get to get backed, and therefore you can go short on them? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We, we 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 kind of come into these things hideously unprepared to start saying who we fancy for things. So, I mean, I'll probably swerve. Well, it doesn't stop us though, does it? Try and, maintain some integrity of the jar it um, never really stops us but you've got to think i mean like you know do the, the the syndicate stuff with a few guys every every major tournament where you pick basically the, the 10 players that you fancy that week and it's basically a list of 10 players that you think will make the cut and mm. you've got to be you've got to be going for people who are top 30 top 40 drivers you would think wouldn't you and people who've got pretty meaty approach you need to be long though stats. you do need to be long mm. Otherwise, I, mean, I think Zach Johnson's kind of particularly chance, hopeful as he at the moment. Yeah, Zach Johnson, Kevin Kisner. I really hate to say it. I, I think they're going to struggle if if they're stretching the course out to those kind of unconscionable lengths. Um, McElroy, like, I don't think he actually drove it that well at the Wells Fargo, which is a surprising kind of, um, yeah, stat that gets overlooked here when people are picking him to, to win. I mean, obviously, he's won round Kiowa before, which is it's huge. I mean, that's, that's massive, isn't it? That level of confidence must be um, hugely motivating in, in his position, but he's going to have to drive the ball better, you would think, than he did at Quail Hollow if he's going to have a chance because that was statistically one of his best putting performances yeah. ever at a tournament and and he, it was enough to win by one, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, he, you know, he, he doesn't need to play his best, I think, to win this week, but he's got to probably step into a higher gear than he was at... at um, at the Quail Hollow for the Wells Fargo. Yeah, it's a tough one to call, isn't it? I mean, he's got previous, which is which is useful. He's won by eight shots, so in a in a major. So he obviously likes the course, suits his eye. But he's a different player now, isn't he? You know, like you say, he's a huge fader of the ball, the right to left fade. He's he's a different player than he was. <laughs> <laughs> he's a different player than he was. You know, last time he won there, so. Who are you backing, Sam? Uh, no, I'm. Come on, I, mean, I haven't somebody. got a clue with this one. You've got to be. You've got to be looking in sort of fairly big hitter territory. Um, I kind of probably go with something like a Justin Thomas, maybe. Probably be. Probably be. Uh, yeah, really, good really Reasonable back. I mean, I think it, there's a lot of. There's a lot of intrigue around the greens. None of these guys are going to hit all the greens, are they? And he's a fabulous kind of fabulous chipper of the ball. He's got all aspects of the game. I kind of feel like he's gone a little bit quiet recently. He's probably ripe for a pretty, pretty bit. It just feels like a time where maybe Justin Thomas could kind of, um, you know, get back into the sort of major, major wins. I, I, I don't know, but I mean, in terms of looking further down the rankings, haven't got a clue, to be honest. One thing that it will be interesting, this is the only event, I believe, where rangefinders are going to be in issue. So the PGA yeah. obviously signed them off for tournament play, and the only event they host is the US PGA. So um, that's going to be pretty cool to see. Like, do they use them? Is there any benefit? Does it actually speed up pace of play? I, I'm not sure what this is going to achieve, but it'll be pretty, I'm sure it'll get plenty of airtime. Do you happen to know what the, uh, I'm assuming the answer is no, what the the restrictions are? So is it lasers? Is it GPS? Is it both? Is, do you know how any lasers. of that's going to work? Distance just measuring lasers. devices. Oh, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure they'll have the slope function turned off. Yeah. Slope and wind <laughs> and temperature calculations aren't, aren't, aren't permitted. DeChambeau's asked that months in advance probably, and he's just been rebuffed. Um, yeah, it will be funny, won't it? I guess, yeah, look a bit. I don't think it'll speed up play in the slightest. If anything, I think it'll probably slow it down a smidge because they've never done it before. Really? But, uh, well, like when we when we spoke to Eric Van Roy and he was like, the, the conversations aren't about the distance. The conversations are about, you know, whether you go hard on a seven or easy on a six. That That's the, the distance bit's done pretty quickly. But um, I think they will... Yeah, they're still going to have to calculate like how far on is the pin. So they'll have a pin sheet and it'll be like, right, okay. So we know the pin is 163 and that's cut eight yards on, for example. So they'll they'll probably be able to arrive at the number they want to land it at a bit more quickly than, or a bit quicker than, than um, 
they've previously done where they're having to, I guess, calculate what the, mm. you know, they, they, I, what would be the normal way of doing it, pacing it off a sprinkler or pacing it off yeah. some kind of defined feature in the fairway, then adding on the number of the adding on from the pin sheet number to get where the pin is that that's all kind of taken care of. They just have to use pin sheet and laser. So maybe it will speed things up, but I think returning back to the potential picks, I mean, yeah, I was just, you know, doing the highly unprofessional thing of checking a few stats out on my phone, just because I feel like I need to do that. If I'm going to um, be able to spar with you mills on potential picks here, but McElroy's driving accuracy at Wells Fargo is 20 to 20%. Yeah. I think, um, Really not looking great. Hovland had a good showing, putted really well, didn't hit any greens. I think Victor could be in a pretty good spot, actually. Uh, it just seems like he's got a breakthrough on a bigger event. Yeah, the problem with, with Hovland, the only problem I would say about Hovland is, is um, when you put the course long, he he's going to miss greens because that's that's what length does. And the, the where he falls down is his chipping. And he needs to be on fire with his chip. And if he can hit all the greens, yeah. Hovland is is going to be a great shot, but his chipping is, yeah, you know, compared to where mm. these big boys are. So I like the I, mean, shot. I like the shot though. I like Hovland. There's people like Keith Mitchell who'll be quite sensible each way bets. I'd assume because again, you're going to get pretty good odds. A big hitter. He's got form. He's taking in. You've got people like Scotty Scheffler that I think are going to. He hits it straight. the ball. But Scheffler hits it straight. That's the thing about him. He's like. Um, He's averaging about 70% of his fairway. So he's, uh, he's a little bit longer than average, not much, but he picks up loads of strokes gained on the basis of how straight he hits it. I think an interesting one's Matt Wallace because he's obviously moved over to the US full-time by the looks of things, has hit the ball really well over his last few tournaments. You know, had a chance in Texas when Spieth won, was in the mix at Quail Hollow. He's just putting, wait, well, he's putting like, you know, Eduardo Monari and, and the 10 handicapper <laughs> at the Belfry, you know, like losing a couple of strokes around by the looks of things with the putter. So whether he's able to to turn that around, added to which he's, he's going to have to do it on a, on a bigger stage than, than, than he's been used to. Could be a little dark horse though, I think, for this week. What one thing I wanted to get your take on <clears throat> is the someone who's not playing Matthew Wolf. Yeah, can we just spend a few minutes on this because I want to get through it's my just takes getting, in a bit, but, but we'll go. You there. want to get through your 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 your. I'll picks. do my picks in a bit, but we'll talk. About I thought you'd already kind of started on that. Seven. Sorry. Oh no, no, no do no. you want to do your picks and then we? I just think Matthew Wolf's kind of got to be covered. Like, yeah, let's talk about Matt Wolf, and then I'll come in with my dials. Uh. I mean, where do we go with this, boys? So I think multiple disqualifications, multiple withdrawals, seasons just like going completely down the pan. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even know what the issue is, but he's withdrawn, I think, from this from the event without any reason given. Is that right? Yeah. I haven't followed it that closely. So it seems wide open for conjecture. Who's going to have a run at it? What 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 do you want us to say? Well, I, we can't speculate on this, can we? Like, it's just weird. It is weird that you would withdraw from a major and not um not give a reason uh, there's a fairly one. interesting yeah there's a fairly interesting um article or not i shouldn't say interesting but i think a sensible reasonable article which was it wasn't pure conjecture but it was just sort of saying that um was it the wgc at concession that was probably some of the early signs that he was finding the adjustment to life on tour tough really and that you know, he's known for being quite a gregarious, sociable person and, and probably just going through that period where you're on tour, traveling from week to week, haven't really got a kind of base of support or people around you, close friends that he'd, he'd have had when he was at uni and, and maybe just finding that quite tough. I mean, I know that seems would like that a bit of a weak answer. The, but... That can't be to pull out of a major though, would it? So everything would go bar the four majors you'd expect. So like, that's fair. Like maybe that is the case. Like the schedule's not mapping out for me how I want it. Mm. Surely you wouldn't then go, I'm just going to drop, you know, major championship. Maybe he just needs a reset though. Maybe the guy just needs a complete reset because, you know, like he got DQ'd at the Masters. Do we even know what that was about? Was that sign of the wrong score? Wrong score, wasn't it? Score, yeah. Yeah. And then he got DQ'd on another one, didn't he? Was that the one where his mum notified them or something no like no that. no that was hovland he got penalized at the players for his mom calling in and saying he took the That's wrong it. drop sorry, he didn't get sorry. he didn't get dq'd yeah yeah no, it's all right I, I as i say i'm the head of audit in detail here <laughs> at, at the jar so it is my job um 
maybe he's just not in a good headspace with it. Like his swing is not as good as it as it was last year. There's definitely been a few subtle changes there. But I guess what like a lot of these people would take the view, and a lot of people might think it's arrogant, but I think the young stars would say, if I don't feel like I can win, there's just no point in me turning up. And maybe that's just the opinion he's taken. He's like, I literally don't want to play mm. golf right now. Uh, um, you know, I've not I've not placed. I've not placed in any of the um, tournaments I've really played this year. I mean, he's even cracked the top 10 or top 20 this year. I'm well, not, I'm not actually sure he has. Ago that he was like leading the US Open. The US Open. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm not going to speculate, but it all seems very, very weird. Very indeed. strange indeed, yeah. I his, last good, his last good performance was the US Open, wasn't it? That was... Mm. So mm. considering you think his swing has got a bit dodge, Bruce, are you going to get rid of that weird hooky outside wolf backswing you've got? Going uh, on? Gone, yeah. hasn't it? Well, I've I noticed have... it's gone. It's gone a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it was more just a, it just a little bit of an board. adjustment. No, no, it's just, uh, sometimes you have to exaggerate things, I think, to feel them in the swing. And um, yeah, it's something that I got a little bit extreme with. I mean, looking at the tailor-made fitting video now, I'm like, that is absolutely... Well, it's not it's not terrible. It's just it's a bit extreme on the backswing. Downswing's fine, but yeah, no. Sometimes it's I'm a firm believer that you have to exaggerate things and tinker with stuff a little bit if you want to feel feel an improvement. Um, swing feels all right at the moment. Sam's a firm believer in exaggerating things, but just not in the <laughs> swing, just in life. Just ending uh, on the pod will just exaggerate. Never let the truth get in the way of a good story, young man. Now your picks. Let's wrap this all up. My picks. Uh, I'm going to go for two. I'm going to go one for mid, a sort of mid pick and one long shot. I really fancy Tony Fino. I think he's long enough. I think he's sneaky long. I think he's good around the greens. I fancy Tony Fino this week, 40 to 1. You I know, know you're, big, you're big in Tony's campaign, so that yeah. doesn't surprise me at all. The other one is my long shot because he had a good week at the Belfry, major winner. Host of the Belfry, Danny Willett, 300 to 1. I think that's the most ludicrous that's thing I've ever heard. Well, I think that's the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. He's, he was, what did he finish in the Belfry? He was in the top, he sort of finished 900, didn't he? So he was not far off. You know, I don't behind. think the strength of field is quite comparable with Kira uh, and I'm afraid. I would put money on each way, Danny Willett. Just he has. I mean, look. I'm trying to find some truth in what you're saying, and he's 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 brought a little bit of form back, hasn't he? It's only the last few years you've seen him more competitive. Whereas after the Masters win, I mean, he was, he was off the planet, <laughs> wasn't he? Let's face it. I don't um, think it's a bad shout. Just I, I don't know how many people are in the there. field. What hundred and hundred and thirty plus people playing? It's a hundred and a lot in the PGA, isn't it? Yeah. So there's there's a hundred and a lot more people. I'd be backing ahead of Danny with it, but that's you know. I, I like it. I like I like the bravery. I like the fact you wouldn't state the reputation of the jar on probably one of the you know a three hundred to one outsider to go and there's a there's a lot worse. You, could, you could go with you could go with yeah. I suppose Danny, like Sunny Singh Skinner. Because... Sunny Skinner's four thousand to one. You could try that. Yeah, I I think we're way down down the pecking order. Someone there. this is got to be an established. Someone's going to pick. Someone's going to pick Patrick Rada because they think it says Patrick Reed at 4,000 to one. They're like, I've got to steal Patrick Reed at 4,000 to one. Uh, Patrick Rada, no. Um, tying things up because we're we getting on a bit on this podcast. Oh, you don't uh, want to hear my picks? Fair enough. That's all right. I'm the, I'm the junior member of the team. Well, go on, let's do yours. <laughs> let's do yours then. Uh, I've got yours. a couple of interesting ones. And, I, okay. you know, it's always a bit of a fool's, fool's endeavor, isn't it? But um, I think Sung J.M., could actually have quite a good performance. I know he, I know he's renowned for being a bit of a cash machine and just playing week to week. It seems that he's taken the past week off. He had a good start at the Wells Fargo, then shot like 82 in the second round. And I think that was a bit of a theme looking at some of his earlier tournaments this year. Like he's had good, you know, opening couple of rounds and then just maybe got a bit of fatigue on the, on the uh, weekend. So I'm thinking if he's had a rest and he's coming in fresh, you know, Sung Jae is just an absolute ball striker, isn't he? Like, hits so many greens, hits it pretty straight. Okay mm. around the greens, pretty decent putter. I think he could be a really, really hot favourite. Um, or not hot favourite, but just a, a, a good a good pick who maybe flies a little bit under the radar. And then Abraham Anser, I think, has to yeah. be due a big mm. one. 
after that performance at the Wells Fargo. Um, yeah, I think he's Great another chat. one who, who looks pretty good. So there you go. Those are my picks. Great I'm going to stand by mine, Justin Thomas. <laughs> and I'm I'm going to put I'm going to put Scott Sheffer in there. Yeah, and I'm going to put yeah, Scott yeah, Sheffer in there. I, I, I think I think that's that's probably where my head's at. Um, to be interesting. Any other kind of quick tip bits before we close? With yeah, I got a little bit of a thing that popped up on my Twitter feed. Um, did you hear this week that the U.S. Open are giving um, Mickelson an exemption? Really? No, I didn't know that. And they do? Do they do that? Yeah, that is they, interesting. They are giving him Christ. I hope this is right. I believe I screenshot it. Um, Do you know who the other who the other six were? Uh, yeah, I can read them off my list. There's um, Tom Watson, VJ Singh, Retief Goosen, Ernie Els twice, and uh, Jim Furyk. Those are not the names you'd expect, since, are they? That's since 2010 the people to receive special exemption. Hale Irwin has also had one in the past and he was the only person that's had a special exemption and got on to win. Um, okay. But it's odd. I mean, I don't know where I stand on it because they're giving him a special exemption, obviously, because he's the US Open away from a Grand Slam. But beyond that, why does he deserve it? Maybe it goes back to the thing we talked about before with like, you know, the, the what was it called? The player pop profile, the player... Player impact program. Impact pro- program, yeah. You know, maybe it's the fact that they think that by having Phil, they might drive some more revenue through, but it's tough. It's it? his hometown, like, isn't it? I mean, it is his hometown yeah. where it's where he grew up. And look, I mean, the, the story of what is it? Five second places at the US Open? Something like that. Written in the stars. You've heard it here first. Bruce is calling it. Yeah. I don't 60 black coffees <laughs> in the US Open yeah. And a few calf raises beforehand. He's just going to go out. I mean, doing Darren Clark 2011 at Royal St. George's. Can I set ourselves some homework then ahead of the USPGA? This is the event where the club professionals in the States get to tiered up and play in it, I think, through qualification process. Mm. Be cool if we picked a club pro. See who prevails. Top club pro. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, oh, you're we'll... literally just picking a name out of it. Oh, you sorry. You mean going away? Yeah. 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 Mm. Cool. I'm going to go, go away. I'm going to go away and have a little look at, of, uh, yeah, who's the best club pro? Yeah. And then we'll have, to... we'll have a little internal thing. We'll stick that up on the story and we'll uh, we'll see who prevails. Probably none we'll of us. Sounds good. Are you yeah. backing? Um, just a quick one to round things off from this week's podcast. If you haven't seen it already, please do check out the iron fitting brought to you by TaylorMade that we released on Monday, mm-hmm. which was quite nice. Um it was good to see Sam's inner dilemma between the guy telling him that he should be in the 770s <laughs> We've got and to talk about this, haven't we? he should be in Blades. You know, you, you was I right the... to do it? Okay, so let, let me take me out of it. Hang on. <laughs> was I right to say, oh, come on, you know, can I not get the MCs? Is that beyond me? Is it a level above my ball striking? Would the uh, 770s have been the iron? I mean, look, you know, I'll take you. Well, you've, up, got, you know, you've got them in your hand now. How are you hitting them? That's the key. Okay. All right. Hang on. Hang on. Well, I'm just I'm just saying that a little birdie did tell me that when we were playing Castle Stewart a couple of weeks yeah, ago no, 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 and no, we no, got no, to no. the first hole. We got that to the first so. hole and it's cold and a little windy and puffing into, and it's very, very sort of gentle upslope there that you're playing into at the first at Castle Stewart. And Sam, you know picks an A-tie and hits it what he seems to you know seems to be fairly happy with it I think he hit it okay and it and it comes up sort of 15 yards short of the green Buttoned and straight straight away we were into do you think I've picked the wrong irons Bruce do you think, do you think I've just bitten off more than I could chew do you think uh, <laughs> do, 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 do you think I should have just got 770 throughout the bag uh, is it just too much ego there is it just too much ego <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. tricky That's, I mean you always <laughs> want the best in heads, don't you? Let's face it. You never want to be the guy with... Yeah, you never mm, want the yeah. chunky... Uh, hang on, hang on. Game this improvement has nothing jobs. to do with, with the head. It's something to do with the fact you can pull it out of your bag and say to whoever you're playing with, see these? Blades these are. I play with blades. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. But we've all come uh, away with pretty sleek looking irons, haven't we? I mean, you know, TaylorMade do make some very aesthetically, aesthetically pleasing irons, I'd say. But it's, yeah, it's, we have a bit of a chuckle, don't we, in that fitting video, you know, like... Uh, 
Danny was uh, was very good at sort of indulging um, various questions we had and little little ins- us asking about how whether we were good ball strikers and whatnot. So no, it was, it's I think it's a pretty fun video, isn't it? It shows the fitting process in a mm. in an informative and just kind of yeah light light way really. What what is strange is I I'm now going to be the guy who hits his seven iron the furthest of all of us, which makes yeah by a country no mile. sense whatsoever. Because <laughs> um, I've come away with a P seven nineties, which uh, the, before you go into like the Sim two Max or whatever, they're like probably the, the most mini healthy. rocket launchers, aren't they? Yeah, they're the most helpful. <laughs> they, they basically allow you to they they basically design them that it's gone wrong if you hit the middle of the face. You can hit anywhere else, that's fine. Um, so, you know, neck, toe, whatever. Um, and that'll go off fine. If you hit the middle, you've suddenly... Behind numbers make no difference, do they? When you, when you no. boil it down, it actually makes no odds. What you want no. is to be able to hit spin and launch windows consistently mm. with yeah. confidence. And when you stand on the team and go, what well, you're hitting, you know, I'm hitting six iron, oh, I've got five iron in my hand. Or it, It's an irrelevant discussion because you're playing with different equipment. And I think, you know, for example, playing the Belfry on Sunday, what you're hitting, if I'm hitting the same iron, it's not really comparable anyway because you're, you're playing with a, a, a set that's got weaker lofts. You hit the ball further. The, the, whole, the whole thing is completely different. You're hitting it higher. You know, you can't really do a fair comparison of, but if mm. Bruce has got seven, I'm probably going to need to hit six. It's not, it's not quite like that. So, um, yeah, but there is like an ego thing. And what was really interesting about, about my fitting in particular, I think, was that I had a particular miss, which was um, just straight up pull every now and again. And um, the good fitter that Danny was um, quickly identified that my lie angle was completely incorrect for me yeah. and there was sometimes Much hitting right. heel first which is causing the blade to flip and i get that straight pull and he got me in some i think i think i've gone two and a half down two and a half flat and mm. yeah, Hogan i mean, played flat ball striker mm. dj plays flat a lot a mm. lot of great players you know play flat so my that's... my ambition is to get my hands lower than keegan bradley that's if i can get there <laughs> i've completed yeah. it you'll struggle without well, getting your knuckles covered in Sergio. Much, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair it's, yeah it's, it's funny actually because if you could take sam's kind of club twirl before he hits a shot and the low hands you'd have the keegan bradley aesthetic mm. dialed wouldn't you really yeah i think so I think so. But if you haven't checked it out, guys, uh, we are conscious we've already taken up far too much of your time and we don't want this to develop into a pastiche of a best man's performance. So (laughs) until next time, we'll see you then. Bye-bye. Watch this.